You're listening to Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Thomas Berceau, president of the National Lipid Association, and I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Larry Kaskill and presented by the National Lipid Association. Do you know your omega-3, omega-6 ratio? You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Some suggest human beings evolved in a diet with a ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 essential fatty acids of approximately 1, whereas our diet now of most Americans is estimated to be about 16 to 1 and is believed to promote the pathogenesis of many chronic diseases, including cardiovascular disease. Welcome to Lipid Luminations. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host, and joining me again today, Dr. Seth Baum, cardiologist and medical director of the Integrative Heart Care Center from Boca Raton, Florida, and he's here to explain the importance of the omega-6, omega-3 ratio for cardiovascular disease prevention. Seth, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me again. Can we start first by just explaining what is an omega-3 and what is an omega-6 fatty acid for those who haven't heard about it yet? Well, first of all, I think we should explain the nomenclature for fats. Just because so many people ask about it, you know, the issue of saturation versus unsaturation always comes up. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> so a saturated fat is one that is complete with hydrogen atoms, so there are no areas of desaturation, no, no areas of double bonds. And when you start removing hydrogen atoms and start having double bonds, then you have areas of unsaturation. So you go from a saturated fat to a monounsaturated fat where there's one area of unsaturation, and then you can go to a polyunsaturated fat where there's more than one area where there's a double bond. So the omega-3s and the omega-6s are polyunsaturated fatty acids, and the 6 stand for the position of the first double bond, counting actually from the end of the molecule. Now you've confused everybody. Really? <laughs> That's okay. okay. No, it, it's heady, heavy stuff. Yeah, I think it helps to see it, but uh, I appreciate the attempt at uh, <laughs> clarifying the nomenclature. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me give it just one more shot here. Go ahead. So, so basically, the polyunsaturated fatty acids have more than one double bond. The three just means where that first double bond is, and the six is where that first double bond is at the sixth position versus the third position. So where would a trans fat fit in? What does that do? Is that adding more double bonds? It, it's really the shape of the molecule. The cis versus trans are, are the shapes of the molecule. And the trans fats, obviously, <laughs> I don't want to go down that road only because it'll get even more confusing. But basically, the trans being bad for you, if you will, uh, and cis, generally speaking, being good for you. There are some exceptions to that rule. So if we look at an average cell in our body, and each cell has a cellular membrane, and those cellular membranes are made up of fatty acids, and there should be a certain ratio of three to six in that membrane. So where do we get the information or the ideal ratio? Is that based on guesstimates, or is it based on some science? several things. It's based on science and it's based on our understanding of what we've evolved from, really. If you look at, from an evolutionary standpoint, where our diets were many moons ago, that's where you come up with that original position of, you had mentioned a one-to-one -one mm -hmm. ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. Some people think maybe the optimal ratio would be omega-6 to omega-3 of 3 to 1. Okay. So three times as much omega-6 to omega-3. I think we need to take this for a moment, another sort of complex discussion, but I think it's very, very important. Let's look at omega-3 and omega-6, and let's just imagine them side by side. 
and you have the start point of the omega-6 on one side and the start point of the omega-3 on the other. The omega-6 on one point, the start point, they're both 18 carbons long, okay? The omega-6 start point is linoleic acid, the omega-3 alpha-linolenic acid. You must be a fascinating date. <laughs> <laughs> now, so those are both 18 carbons long. Those are truly essential fatty acids because our bodies can't make them. They're really where the omega-6s and the omega-3s start off and the important thing here is that there's competition for the enzymes that elongate and desaturate both of those fatty acids. And that's really, really important because if you consume too much of the omega-6s, they'll win. And basically, you'll go down that chain of desaturation and elongation and create more of the omega-6 end products than you will the omega-3. So some of the end products of 6s, uh, for my simple brain are more pro-inflammatory. Omega-3 byproducts are anti-inflammatory. Would you say that that's a simpleton's understanding? That's a, a great understanding. And also, the omega-6s are more pro-thrombotic. Excellent. And the omega-3s are more anti-thrombotic. So we want a milieu that is obviously anti-thrombotic and anti-inflammatory. Correct. All right, so you have these two omegas that are competing. And they do so down the line. So from desaturation and elongation standpoint, they do so down the line. You get to the 20 carbon, and you've heard, you know, everybody knows about arachidonic acid. That's an omega 6. Its counterpart on the omega 3 side is going to be EPA or icosapentaenoic acid. And then there's a 22 carbon one down on the omega 3 side that's even longer, obviously, than EPA, and that's DHA. Now, EPA and DHA really come from fish, though, or originally actually from algae. Right. And although we see the enzymatic capability of our bodies making those, the reality is we really are very inefficient at making them. And that's really the sticking point here. And that's why we should be eating fish and or taking fish oil supplements because we just don't have the ability to manufacture it as much as we should. Seth, so what food source that we are consuming in mass quantities in the United States is making our ratios so crazy out of whack with too much six and not enough three? Well, first of all, all commercially baked goods have a plethora of omega-6s. So all of the oils, you know, safflower, sunflower oil, any cooking oil really will have a lot of omega-6 in it. There are omega-3s as ALA that are in the same foods as some omega-6 as LA, and that would be some of the nuts, you know, walnuts, mm -hmm. other nuts, and some oils that are derived from nuts. But if you remember, the problem is that even if you start consuming that, imagine or, uh, or you assume that you're going to create the downstream products, EPA and DHA, from that precursor, you're going to be wrong, and that's part of the problem. And flax is a great example of that. People consume flax because they think they're going to get a good omega-3, but in reality what they end up getting is just the ALA part of it, and they don't get the EPA and the DHA. All right, let's move to clinical practice. I'm in the office tomorrow, and I want to start my patient on two grams of fish oil because I think their diet is terrible, and they have high triglycerides, and I believe that this fish oil is going to benefit every cell membrane in their body. Now I have a choice. What kind of fish oil do I recommend to them? There's Walmart, there's Costco, there's Lovaza, there are pharmaceutical-grade fish oils on the market. How do I pick and how do I 
convince or steer my patient to the right product? Okay. Well, first of all, uh, there are a couple things to recognize. When somebody is picking a fish oil product, what they need to focus in on is that the active ingredients, if you will, are the DHA and the EPA. You have to look on the back of the label, right. and you have to add up DHA and EPA. So it's not 2,000 milligrams of fish oil you're looking for. It's 2,000 milligrams of DHA plus EPA. Right. I don't want all the. I don't need the omega-6. I don't need the vitamin E. I don't need other stuff. You don't need anything else. It's the DHA plus EPA. So that's what they have to add up. Now, for every 1,000 milligrams of combined DHA plus EPA, on average, this is a statistical thing, so it's not going to work uh, you know, across the board, but on average, you get an 8% decline in triglycerides for every 1,000 milligrams of DHA plus EPA that you consume. So now you put your patient on 2,000 of combined DHA and EPA, they should go down about 16%. EPA actually functions more as a precursor for icosanoids or, uh, you know, the prostaglandins, prostacyclins, and DHA is actually incorporated more in the cell membranes. So you might want to focus, if you're really interested in cell health, Mm -hmm. uh, on DHA. DHA also is represented in in our bodies much more than EPA uh, on about a 6 to 1 ratio. And our brains like DHA and the developing fetus's brain. Correct. Our brains and our eyes like DHA, and frankly, there is no EPA in our brains and our eyes. So DHA probably should be emphasized over EPA. How long does it take, if I start someone on a nice dose of fish oil, how long would it take for their body to actually take up the oils into their cell membranes and actually incorporate it? Is it, is it a week for the turnover, a month, three months, any, any idea? Yeah, it's actually within a matter of a few weeks that you actually get incorporation into the cells. So you can see a response within a month. You yeah. should be able to. Uh-huh. Okay, so back to the question of finding a high-quality fish oil. How does one go about it as a physician? Well, as a physician, I think you have to be very careful and speak to colleagues who perhaps know something about this. There are a number of different products on the market. There's something called consumerlabs.com, which just recently did an analysis of 50 fish oil products. You can look there and you can see what's the most concentrated and best product out on the market. Who are in the top three? In the top three, Vital Oils 1000 is the most potent fish oil on the market uh, with 1,000 milligrams of combined DHA and EPA per single soft gel. There are Lovazas, I believe, number two at 840 per single soft gel. And then there are a few others that are in the 600 uh, to 700 range. I mean, I still have trouble trying to explain to the patient the difference between pharmaceutical fish oil and Costco fish oil. They really don't want to pay for their fish oil. And I think it's like anything else in the world, you get what you pay for. There's no question about it. You do get what you pay for. There are a number of different purification processes that go into creating a fish oil product. The most important one is molecular distillation, which most fish oils undergo. Fractional distillation is a fairly unique process, which enables extreme purification of a fish oil. I'll tell you from a safety standpoint, there are some products out there with only 200 milligrams of combined EPA and DHA in a 1,000 milligram fish oil pill. So 800 milligrams are other things. So clearly that's just not a very highly refined fish oil product. Is it going to hurt the patient? I really don't think so, but I think they're going to be getting a lot of excess fat that's just unnecessary and filled with things that they don't need, and it's just not as, as purified a product. How can you assure that your fish oil has not gone rancid? The ConsumerLab.com, for instance, looked at that. So in that grouping of 50, they looked for issues of uh, oxidation, and they would fail products if there were oxidized end products. Seth, how much is too much uh, omega-3 a day? 
Is there an upper limit where you say, you know, I, I, I don't think you're going to get too much more benefit? You know, I, I don't think we know that at this point. I would say for somebody without a medical condition, and there, you know, there are a lot of medical conditions that are now being looked at for, from an omega-3 standpoint. You know, the, the dementias, macular degeneration, colitis. There are a whole bunch of different issues that are being looked at in addition to cardiovascular disease and arrhythmias, AFib, uh, VT, VF. So there are a lot of things that are being looked at. Let's say you're just doing it for just general health. I think 1,000 milligrams a day of combined EPA and DHA is fine. If you're going for a true condition, I've seen people use thousands, many thousands of milligrams a day without adverse effects. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying for a condition, if you want to go for that, then well, then you can do that as a physician. Be aware that at those very, very high doses, there is the theoretical issue of inducing a bleeding diathesis. So uh, you, you have to be careful. Seth, at the beginning of the show, we talked about the ratio. And so how can I find out me, Larry Kaskill, I want to know what my ratio is. Am I 1 to 1, 1 to 6, 1 to 50? Is there a way I can get a test? Is there a LabCorp test? Is there something out there I can do to check my ratio? Yes, there are tests that you can do. There's something called the Omega-3 score that's done by a Canadian company. And that Canadian company, I believe, is, is called Nutrisource. If I'm not yeah, I think you're right. And then Bill Harris, you know, who's a lipidologist, a mm-hmm. PhD, will have an omega-3 test and a ratio within a couple of months, I believe. Good. So, yes, that will be available. And my last question, Dr. Baum, the Jupiter trial is everywhere. And I recently interviewed Dr. Ridker about it, and we talked about how to lower high-sensitivity CRP. My question to you is, if someone cannot be on a statin or does not want to be on a statin, do omega-3s offer the potential to reduce CRP levels? Well, they are certainly anti-inflammatory. There's no question about it. I can't quote you literature on CRP lowering or LPPLA2 lowering with omega-3s, unfortunately. I should have done a literature search on that. If I can give my own personal take on the Jupiter trial, though, Please. I do think that patient population probably had a high incidence of high LDL particle number. So I think that a lot of that effect was lowering LDL particle number as well. I don't know what your take is, but I certainly think CRP is important. But I think that the target there, I mean, there was a dramatic LDL cholesterol lowering. I think there probably was a big LDL particle lowering as well that was just not looked at. Dr. Seth Baum, Medical Director of the Integrative Heart Care Center in Boca Raton, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure. My guest was Dr. Seth Baum, cardiologist and director of the Integrative Heart Care Center in Boca Raton, and we were discussing the importance of the omega-6, omega-3 ratio for cardiovascular disease prevention. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, visit www.lipid.org.